Hey, Wet Seat listeners. Just wanted to give you a quick update as this is our last episode of season two. Um, And we also want to thank you guys for your love and attention this season. I can't tell you how meaningful it is when you all reach out. Know that we read every email and every Ask the Wet Seat. We see you, we love you, we adore hearing from you, truly. The stuff that you guys send us is really kind of mind-boggling. It makes this whole project worth it. Um, Long-time listeners will know this, but the wet seat in its current form is really a passion project for me and Ashley. We do it because we love sex. We love talking about it, and we love sharing it with you all. Um, And as I'm sure you're probably aware, a lot of our content comes from conversations with friends of ours, folks who we already know. Uh, But we're also really interested in expanding our network next year. And that means hearing from you. So if you've got a sex query that's been itching away at you, shoot us an email at thewetseatpodcast at gmail.com and you might just be our next guest. Without further ado, here's this week's episode. And just a quick caveat, this episode was recorded across three states with four human beings, so the audio equation was a bit more complicated than normal, and we apologize for the places where it could be better. Anyway, here's the show. I'm Ashley. And I'm Susanna. And you're in... The The Wet Seat. The podcast dedicated to talking about all of that sex stuff that we usually can't talk about, which is almost all of sex. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, This episode, we are pleased to have a Wet Seat veteran and a name that you've heard at the end of every single episode of our podcast since the beginning, Mr. Billy. Hello. I'm here. I'm glowing. I'm (laughs) ready to talk about sex. And we also have a new name that you've never heard on the wet seat. Say hello, Matt. Hello, everyone. I'm thrilled to be wet on a Monday. Oh, yes. Wet on a Monday. (laughs) We love it. And what are you drinking this evening? Um, Wine. White wine, Sauvignon Blanc, to be specific. Yes. Oh, no, we like the specific. Oh, yes. That, that was the question. <laughs> yes. yes. We, we have a sensible rosé uh, here in, in North Hollywood. Here in Midtown Manhattan, I'm drinking um, tequila with jalapeno, lime, and a little bit of blood orange concentrate. So get it together, Damn. bitches. <laughs> so today we're talking about cruising. Um... A thing that previously, before Matt and Billy said that they'd like to talk about cruising, I thought it was something that only happened in 70s movies. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was unaware that this was happening in the year of our Lord, 2019. <laughs> you, raise, you raise an interesting point, though. There, there definitely has been, you know, cruising is... In a sense, it, it is something from another time. Um, I think the more that gay men were repressed and unable to express their sexuality in sort of broad daylight, mm-hmm. uh, as it were, um, that sort of drives that sexual activity underground and it drives it to a kind of secret um, secrecy. Uh, so I think that's actually an interesting point that you bring up is how that has changed over the years. Um, and yet even now in 2019, like living in LA or whatever, you can be pretty open with your homosexuality or whatever, but, um, there's still, there's still cruising that goes on. So Matt, would you like to define what cruising is? Cruising is... (laughs) looking for dick i guess um i think so i think it's hard to define because i think also a lot of it now happens on the apps um i think previously and decades prior sort of like the mythologized cruising that maybe is conjured up in people's heads is like the going in the parks at night and then like finding other homosexual males to have you know, adult consensual encounters with. Um, And now some of that is literally like you can go on Grindr and I would say half of the people who have their profiles, they're like profile title will just be looking, which means they're just like looking to have sex right now. So I would still also potentially define that as cruising as well. I don't know, Billy, how do you feel? 
I, yeah, this is an interesting point. I do think I, I was struggling with whether I wanted to say that Grinder has replaced cruising or whether I would say that Grinder has is the new is cruising. The new cruising. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, is the yeah. new form of cruising. Um, but yeah, but I, you know, I would argue that actually. I think cruising in the broadest sense it does not necessarily have to be a gay thing. I've heard stories about like, yeah, I feel like, I mean, if we're talking about cruising is just grinder, I feel like why isn't cruising is right. everyone cruising, right? Is everyone cruising all the time? <laughs> it's a very good question. Yeah. I remember hearing about, I can't remember. Oh, it, it was Armistead Maupin was talking about this. The guy who wrote Tales from the City, and he's like a gay writer and sort of iconic guy. But he was talking about how there was this grocery store. I think maybe it was in San Francisco. I can't remember, but where it was a notorious heterosexual mm-hmm. cruising spot in the 1960s. That it was, and it was like you would go there to like meet other young single. Uh-huh you know, men and women. Um, and, uh, but he, he found, he said that he asked people about it, straight people, and he wanted more information about it. And he found that straight people would not admit that that's what it was. They would not confess. Whereas the gay cruising spots that, um, people were aware of, like a lot of gay people were openly aware that that what the mm-hmm. spot was. So I, I don't know what that story has to do with anything, but so I would say that, it's maybe not exclusively um, a gay male activity, but it's, there's certainly a lot of it in in the gay male. And yet I think the term cruising is something that is specifically linked to that community. Like even if we were to say that people are going out specifically looking for sex on other apps and, you know, the heterosexual community as well, I don't know that they would use that same terminology. Totally. Matt, do you consider yourself a cruiser? Uh, yeah, I've cruised. I've definitely cruised. Um, I also think it's, it, you know, I obviously don't have experience. I only have my own experience as a homosexual male. But having sort of read some of my friends who maybe might be heterosexual females, the way that they interact on dating apps, it's the language and the terminology that is used is like so markedly different. Even if like someone might be on Tinder as a heterosexual female or a heterosexual male out on a Friday night, like drinking and wanting to have sex, Mm -hmm. the way that they're communicating on the apps is very different than guys will communicate on Grindr. Is that just to say it's a lot less direct? Yeah. Yeah. Grindr is like, yeah, I don't, Billy, you may have a uh, many thoughts as well, but I, I feel very conflicted about like how direct it is. It's both. Um, I appreciate the directness and sort of like upfront here are my expectations and like sexual desires. And like, it, I would say it's very high consent or consent is a place on a premium. Cause you're very much communicating what right. you want to get out of the experience. But at the same time, it's a little dehumanizing. <laughs> like right. it's so like the first question you could like have never, you might get like five pictures of a random guy's dick. And then like, are you a top or a bottom? And you're like, Oh, Hey, hello to you too. How's your Friday going? You know? Um, mm-hmm. So it is, you know, yes. Directness is, I guess a, a summary term that we could use for all of that. <laughs> yeah. My friends uh, described grinder as porn out loud which i love i just love that description because it captures the like audaciousness of what people put on their profile and what they the way that they communicate on there that like somebody some random person 500 feet from you is going to mm-hmm. send you a message that says i want to jizz on your feet you know what i mean with no exclamation no hello how are you no whatever and it's like Maybe when that works, it works. (laughs) (laughs) I could really go for some jizz on my feet. And then I get that message. It's like, boom, let's do it. You know, but to me though, the funny thing is I really, the more I'm thinking about it, I don't conceptualize grinder as cruising. I Mm -hmm. think of it as more of a dating app and it is the closest digital experience to cruising. But to me, in my mind, the word cruising means being out in public, maybe looking 
to have sex with someone or maybe not and mm-hmm. and meeting someone in that kind of spontaneous way um and i feel like for example in new york where the the population density is so intense like I feel like I've been in New York and cruised completely by accident. Just, you know what I mean? Like you just kind of connect eyes with someone and then you walk past them and then you turn around and they turn around and you look at each other and then you sort of go back the other way. Like, and that hasn't necessarily been because I'm like out, like, looking for dick you know it can just kind of happen spontaneously as, a, as just um, a human being walking down the street in new york uh, especially coming home from like late shifts um in you know like i don't know hell's kitchen at two thirty-three in the morning on a friday or saturday night i've been cruise adjacent like i've watched that exact interaction that you're talking about just happen on the street <laughs> I feel like there's pop culture in movies that have just described what you've described a lot. Like what, yeah. uh, like any kind of like uh, D-list logo film. Oh yeah. Um, like uh, when they describe like the look, quote unquote. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I think what you just described is what a lot of. If it, there's like a gay male character in the '90s in like a movie, they're like, you know, the look. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, there's that section of, okay, I'm going to like reveal the tea, but like there, you know, there's that area of eighth Avenue in like the twenties where there's like all those porn shops and they've all got like, you know, the like glory holes in the back, like, like the video arcades in the back or whatever. And that is like a very cruisy area. I mean, if you want to get your dick sucked you just walk around like billy's giving advice i'm just giving I you literally this. didn't know about this area and thank you for telling me i really hope some like you know 18 year old young queer from nebraska is listening to this like i gotta get to eighth avenue and but um no i really am not thinking that but like there are just there are certain spots and then like in la it's all about like the the saunas, um, like the, the spas. I feel like we're going back in time. I feel like all of these things are stuck in my head as like 90s. As old school things. Yes. No, this all still happens. I mean, I could tell you, you know, century spa. I really shouldn't be calling it. <laughs> I'll, I'll pop it all yeah. out. You can't actually get I'm going to get in trouble. Um, like there, oh, sorry. I feel like cruising on the street because the, population density is not so much here um well and people LA. are in they're, cars they're, they're, so much more often than they are in new york yeah totally um 100 um and then there's just certain spots too like the spas and like the home depot on sunset boulevard what the fuck up <laughs> oh my like, god you know what i mean i've always gotten a little horny at home depot i, I don't know I, <laughs> um, Billy, can, I just, can you just go into a little bit more detail about this home depot i mean have you had a specific encounter there sure sure actually so i actually have a good story about home depot what? So, so when i like moved here when i first moved here um I needed some basic, you know, home necessities. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I went to the Home Depot. That's I think it's on Sunset and like Western, maybe. Location, location, location with yeah. Billy today. Well, I mean, these <laughs> yeah. things happen in very specific places. Keep going. Um, so I went to Home Depot. I knew nothing. I had just moved to LA, you know, whatever. So I was looking for some things, and there was this. There was this guy in the aisle with me and he was wearing, you know how the Home Depot employees have like bright orange yeah. Yeah. shirts. And this guy had on like a bright fluorescent orange shirt. So I, I made the mistake of thinking he worked there. So I was like, do you know where I would find blah, 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 like whatever I was looking for. And then I immediately realized once I said it, that he didn't work there. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. You don't work here. But he was like, he sort of stood up and his body language was like, I don't work here, but I'm going to help you anyway. Okay. And I was kind of like, okay, that, that was sort of weird. And then I went and found an employee and got sure. help and whatever. 
So then I sort of told this story to my friend who lives in West Hollywood and is gay and has, Mm -hmm. you know, lived here for a long time. And he was like, oh, that's because Home Depot is like a cruising (laughs) spot. And I was like, literally, what are you talking about? And he was like, you know, those like cute, like construction boys who are like hanging out out front, like ready to like mow your lawn or whatever. Mm -hmm. He was like, they'll, you know. They'll go. They will just mow your lawn. You You know. Um, So then that totally recontextualized that experience. If I was like, oh, that guy was like, he thought I was hitting on him and he was. Because you were like, where are the nails? And he was like, I'm going to nail you. Exactly. (laughs) He's like, I'll show you they're at my house. Exactly. And I, and then I thought, well, maybe my friend is like, crazy sure but then i googled it i googled like top 10 cruising spots in mm-hmm. la and a home depot on sunset was oh on there and i was like are you kidding me? this is googleable everything it's googleable. is googleable now yeah um no my i mean my first experience with cruising was um oh. like a year and a half ago like i wouldn't have super experienced in this but um, I was just as surprised as you all were to realize, like, this was a thing that was still happening. I'm just going to name it. It's the cock in New York. Like, obviously. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and so Girl, I... You like, didn't know. you didn't know what you were getting into when you went to the cock? I was very inebriated. Okay. For the record. Okay. And it was my birthday. And I did have a good time. It was a great birthday. And I was with a friend who was like, hey, this will be like a fun end of the night situation. It's very gross looking. I will say that. (laughs) And the first floor also after midnight, there were a lot of rules that I was, I guess is a good thing. Um, But like, so women are not in allowed in after midnight and after midnight, the first floor is almost completely empty. And so then uh, my friend and I went to get like a drink up at the bar and he explained to me like, okay, there's a basement. And like, let me tell you what the rules are downstairs. Also, like if you want to leave at any point, just let me know. We'll get you out of there if this is too much. And I was very surprised when I went downstairs, like everyone abided by the rules. Um, Even though the place was like very dingy and kind of gross. But it's basically things like, I mean, they're playing like dance rave music downstairs and like everyone has their shirts off and (laughs) it's like, so just feeding into so many stereotypes. (laughs) Um, What are the rules though? So the rules are, um, so if you are walking by somebody else and you are interested in them, you're supposed to lay a hand on like their shoulder or like maybe their stomach area, like nowhere beneath, like below the belt like somewhere on the top and just like hold it there for a few seconds. If the person is interested, they will like put a hand back on you. (laughs) It's like gifting like Valentine's day cards. or something. So yeah, if you are interested in them, you put a hand on If They're interested in you. They'll put a hand on you. And then like, that's sort of an agreement that you guys may like begin something. If you're not interested, like you literally just like very politely, like take their hand off or just continue walking throughout the crowd. And I was, like, very surprised, like, everyone was, like, oh, if we got the message very quickly. Like, if you were, if it was mm-hmm. after midnight in New York and a bunch of drunk gay men, like, if you, if someone put a hand on you and you were not interested, like, they were not trying to force anything whatsoever, which was sure. awesome. Like, yeah. what a just clear, like, ask and, and answer system. Yeah, and I love that the bar has embraced being explicit about yeah. that instead of it just being like a, oh, you know, respect right. everyone, whatever. I've seen those kind of rules that are like, yeah. oh, you know, just respect people, whatever. But this is like a yeah. specific thing. Yeah, and then it was like also geographically was divided up based off sex acts. Oh, So like if you... Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So there was like, um, again, I think I've only been there once or twice, but this is how it worked out those times. Um, 
that if you wanted to just like make out, you could just like be in the middle of the dance floor. If you wanted to engage in like a hand job or a blow job, you needed to like move to the sides of the dance floor. And if you wanted to engage in anything like rimming or like full penetrative, like anal, you needed to like go to the bathroom or. But what happens if you just have to pee? Then aren't you like entering the zone of like. Oh, more I was so nervous about that. I mean, I peed like in the nearest place beforehand because <laughs> I was like, I didn't know what was going to happen if I walked in the bathroom. So I cannot <laughs> answer that for you. Susanna's concerned about the logistics. I, am, I really am. Well, but that's a confusing situation if we're talking about consent and you're just trying to fulfill a that bodily need and then. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Susanna. It's a confusing situation. Presumably, <laughs> though. <laughs> The hand system still applies. So, like, before you start rimming me, like, there's still the opportunity to place a hand on me. So, your experience was positive? It was very positive. Yeah, I mean, I, at that, at that point in the evening, like, sex was sort of what I was looking for. So, like, it was a very, I did appreciate, like, how, like, of a high consent environment it was because I was very nervous once I realized like once I realized where I was and what was happening I got very anxious very quickly I'm a very anxious person um and so I thought I would just like walk in see everything I imagined some like out of control orgy and I would like run Mm -hmm. out of there but it was like very respectful and like there were several guys who like put their hands on me and I was not interested several guys who like I made out with, and then I was like, no, we're done. And like, I would just give them a tap and they'd be like, okay. And they would just like walk on. It was like very pleasant actually. What's so funny to me is I'm like, how do we unlock that for the rest? I love that there was this location that you could choose to do this because uh, I think the reason why I really, I'm like, you know, as a, a boring straight hetero girl, uh, I don't, I hate going to clubs because it's like non-consent is the norm. Yeah. You know, it's like growth is the norm. Right. Growth and so I think that a lot of people might expect that if you're going to like go to a cruising spot, that that's also what you'd be getting, but it's not kind of in the same way that, uh, people expect like in BDSM relationships that it's like mm. abusive, but it's like, no, actually we were the most respectful I here. I think, there is a thing, and I don't know that this necessarily applies to a place like Cock, where <laughs> it's sort of the whole, or it's a large part of their right. reputation as an yeah. establishment. But with cruising in public and like meeting people, for example, at Home Depot or mm-hmm. whatever, I think, and maybe this is sort of dark and twisted, but I think the the threat as a as a gay person flirting with other gay people or, or making advances mm-hmm. to other male people, it, it can be very dangerous because if you right. misread signals, sure. you could get beat up or something. So I do feel like there is a little bit more so than in the straight community mm-hmm. or in the heterosexual community, there's a sensitivity to like, we're, we're both we're both in an equally mm-hmm. dangerous situation, whereas in in maybe a, a yeah. male and female situation, there there is a slightly different power dynamic. Totally. Maybe, maybe I don't mm-hmm. know. Is that the only Matt? Is that the only place that you've been where it was like a geolocation? Because I was, you guys were talking about like find your own dating apps, but I was just curious. Like you know, Billy brought up Home Depot. You brought up the cock. Are there? In terms of like, is is the old quote unquote version of cruising? Do you think it still exists? One hundred, like with the car. Yeah, the car. Uh, I don't know about the car, but I don't have any experience with that. The car thing in LA, I feel like the people. The I think feel I feel like the car stuff, which I see a lot of in mm-hmm. Hollywood, is. Uh, mainly prostitutes. It's mainly sure. It's mainly like paying for sex, and that's a slightly different thing. So this reminds me of. Um, I actually talked to someone recently about the handkerchief system. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Which, which I actually talked to someone about it. The handkerchief system in regards to lesbians yep. specifically. Yes. 
So I'm wondering, is the handkerchief thing a lesbian thing? Is it a anyone thing? The handkerchief system is essentially like this idea that like you wear a different handkerchief and it means you want different sexual acts. Right. Or you, you represent like I'm, you know, I'm looking for a femme or I'm looking for right. so-and-so. Matt, do you have any experience with handkerchief? I don't have any personal experience with handkerchiefs. I do have several friends who've gone on gay cruises where they like to use, or again, just anecdotally, they've used like buttons or stickers to be like, um, you know, like I'm top, I'm bottom versatile or like, no, I'm like not looking. I'm in like a closed relationship or like, yeah, I am with him, but we're open. And like each of those would correspond to different colors. So that when you went out at night, like to a bar or club on the cruise, like it was clear to say like, this is what I am. Um, but I have not experienced that personally. I love that. Um, very helpful. I think the handkerchief system is a little bit not around anymore. Yeah. I think maybe the labels on Grinder, how you can label yourself top, bottom, oh, sure. first, you can label different. I feel like that has certainly taken a bit of the place of it. But I will say I went to a um, a sex party. I, I mean, an orgy, I guess. Um, a sex party. A sex party. <laughs> well, I think of an orgy, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. I think of an orgy as being between five and Five and fifteen people. Yeah. That's who I would categorize an orgy. A sex okay. party to me is beyond fifteen yes, people. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I agree with you, Billy. Okay, thank you so much. I'm glad we're on the same page. I so I went to a sex party, <laughs> and they when we when we entered space, mm-hmm. they gave us wristbands. Okay, um, and there was green red and yellow uh-huh. for green is your bottom red uh-huh. is your top and yellow is your verse and i liked that a lot i found because it just like there's a level of communication that totally. you just don't necessarily need to have um at, at the beginning of of the interaction mm-hmm. but you know i got in a big fight with my uh, ex sort of my ex-boyfriend uh, about this because he thinks that labels are for soup cans and everyone at the bottom and a top and like people who choose to identify as maybe not or top tonight though are just exactly <laughs> are just like regressive and like he I think he thinks the whole bottom top thing is like appropriated from heterosexual culture or whatever and like it's gender normative or whatever mm. and I'm like I, you know I, I hear all that intellectually sure but just like though. what I want to communicate what I want yeah. and practically yeah so I don't know do you have any experience with that Matt no I mean I do I mean that's a definitely a big thing on Grinder is like people are very clear about like what they want and how they identify and you know you get a lot of people in there profiles to be like no bottoms no tops not looking for x y and z and i agree with you like sometimes it i think um from my own personal standpoint like if i was looking for a relationship or something i don't think that would be that big of a factor to me but i think it's very helpful when looking for a specific encounter like you know if you're just like trying to have a specific evening like it's helpful to know what you're dealing with on the other side, you know? Um, right. But that's definitely something that's like heavily advertised on the gay apps. I, my, yeah, that's interesting that you say that too, because my experience has been like, I've actually found it more useful in looking mm-hmm. for a relationship because I <laughs> yeah. feel like I, I feel like, my the only successful relationships I've had have been ones where I am a bottom. I guess I just okay. So at the risk, I think of you're like, maybe like at the risk <laughs> of like just overcomplicating things. Uh-huh. Let's just say I don't really like to fuck boys. I don't like to do it. I'm not. <laughs> it doesn't turn me which on. Is, I which is to me to say that you like being fucked by boys. 
That's precisely what I mean, Susanna. Thank you for understanding. Yes. You and I go way back and you, you get Because it. a heterosexual no. listener might mistake. <laughs> I misunderstand what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I'm saying I don't like to penetrate boys. I don't really enjoy it. And so I have had multiple failed relationships where I've sort of gone in with someone who says, oh, like I'm verse, but I'd like to top. And I'm like, okay, cool, but I'm never going to want to fuck you. Right. I, like, I'm not going to want to top you. And then that becomes an issue later right. on for them. So, and I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe that reflects some, <laughs> you know, closed-mindedness in my sexual preferences or whatever. But really, out of at some curiosity, have you ever used toys to fuck someone instead of, like, fucking them with your penis? Um, that's an interesting question. And I don't think that I ever have actually. No. Wait, quick pull, Matt. I have not either. What? Wait, I mean, wait, actually, I think this might be, so in general, I think people associate sex toys with, uh, indeed. Do either of you use sex toys? Have ever used sex toys? Um, I, I love a good cock ring. All right. Um, uh, and that's about it in terms of like regularly used at, at one point I had a flashlight and that was fun, I guess, but really just not. Did it, it look like a pussy? The one that I had, <laughs> did, yes. it did look like a vagina. What yeah. was that like for you, Billy? <laughs> what? You didn't like it that what much, that clearly. Like for you? I'm just. Interesting. Um, I kind of liked it. I mean, I kind of liked that it was a vagina. I specifically, oh, really? I specifically did not choose the butthole <laughs> one. Okay. <laughs> Just because I felt like, you know, that's what I know. That's what I'm familiar with. I'm trying to push myself. Right, you know? right. And um, it was interesting and it had very realistic, like it was a very realistic vagina. I liked it, but also, but I think we learned on a previous episode that that type of soft um, toy that ha- can retain moisture in it is not Probably super no good. sanitary. Of course. So yeah, I think you should be throwing it out after like <laughs> six months or whatever. And it's an expensive toy. Yeah. So I, I just, overall, I don't think it's worth it. Um, also just as a refresher, in case of any of our listeners have forgotten, I'm pretty sure we've talked about flashlights before on the podcast, but um a flashlight is like would be, I suppose, the inverse of any penetrative sex toy in that it is something that you're putting your dick into rather than like being penetrated by. Mm-hmm. Yes, Matt, do you have a flashlight? <laughs> I have not purchased one yet. No, <laughs> no. The only experience I have with any, I was given a free i vibrator that was supposed to be designed for men at Pride a few years ago, and I tried it several times didn't really work for me um and that's pretty much it so i don't have a ton of experience in the the toy realm you i wait i have to tell one sex toy story though it's really bad it's i'm ready i i was so horny in high school i just really was just out of control and i really wanted to know what a vibrator felt like with like prostate stimulation or whatever. Ooh, interesting idea. I should have done that. It, right. <laughs> and yes. I, I, cause I really know, cause I read online like, Oh my God, like yeah. my prostate stimulator, you know, you come for hours, whatever. I'm like, okay, okay. But you know, you're young and I didn't want to, I couldn't go to a sex shop or whatever. And so I thought, well, you know, my phone vibrates. Oh, we've all been there. Vibrate my phone. So I found this, like, this is so bad. I can't believe I'm telling this story. But <laughs> there, there, I found, like, a rubber, like, handled spoon. Uh-huh. And I took the, the handle part of the spoon, to be clear, not sure. the spoon part. <laughs> And so I taped no. the I taped the spoon. The I taped the spoon <laughs> to the vibrator, and then 
turn the vibration on on the phone and used it as did it work a processing it did work it did it absolutely worked um but i was so filled with shame that i don't think i've ever spoken about it until this moment i love it probably wet seat listeners on a budget and there's apps there's apps on the iphone specifically for erotic yeah i can tell you they're really subpar oh (laughs) well okay I realize now that we're we're far off the cruising topic, but that's okay. We love tangents. You're (laughs) wait, Matt. I want to hear more about. I want to hear more cruising experiences, or (laughs) even if they're not yours, like what someone else's. Someone else share all the stories. Yeah, spill all the tea. Uh, So I don't have a ton more, but I do. I the two other places that I am familiar with the cruising settings are obviously the gay meccas of P Town and Fire Mm. Island. Um, Because P Town, they have Dick Dock. (laughs) Dick Dock is exactly what it sounds like, which is basically like. Um, I've only been there twice, but it's like a tea dance, like on this dock on the water. It's actually like a beautiful setting in like very nice P town. Um, and people are like dancing and it's tea. And then as it goes to dark, like the bar eventually closes and then it's like pitch, maybe like 11 o'clock it becomes dick dock, which is basically like the same thing as the cock. It's just like a designated dock for the dicks. <laughs> and so, um, to be clear, it's, it's underneath the dock. Correct. 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 I should clarify it, that. It's, yeah. so, so it's sort of this, like it's this dock with a, the pool in it that extends out over the beach. Yeah. And then the, the cruising area is underneath that, that dock. It's a quite beautiful venue, I will say. I mean, not to besmirch yeah. Home Depot, <laughs> but it is a, you know, being out on the water of P-Town. Also, for those nice. who don't know, uh, who I guess weren't yeah. raised in the Northeast, P-Town is Provincetown, Massachusetts, which is on the very end of the Cape, which is like gay Mecca. And the same thing with Fire Island, except Fire Island is more like the boardwalks as opposed to like a designated like region. It's more just like walking the boardwalks at night. Like you are opening yourself up to those possibilities and fire right. island for those of you who don't know is outside of new york and is like the new york gay mecca i mean there were there's people who come from all over the world to go to those those gay uh spots um hmm. and i do think it, it you know this relates to our thing of cruising is there's there's the dunes there's this long beach in p-town that's kind of remote because it's the very tip of cape cod mm-hmm. and it's like these sand dunes and there's pretty much always in the summer some level of sexual activity going on mm-hmm. in, in the dunes and behind the grass and stuff. And my friend was talking about how, I, you know, I never really thought about it this way, but, you know, we are so privileged to live at a time where we can talk about this stuff and that it's yeah. in the open. But back in the day, like the reason gay men went to like remote beaches in the middle of nowhere and had sex was because that was the only place they could have sex without being like terrified. You know what I mean? Um, so there, I think there is some kind of queer history there that sometimes Mm. I think the young gays are kind of missing out on. They're like, ew, like why would I want to like go to a beach and like get sand in my crack? Like, you know what I mean? But it's like, <laughs> no, this is, this is, we had no other option. Before, I was actually also you know thinking I mean? of this when we were talking about the hand, the handkerchief system, because that was also used at a time. I mean, like all of these wristbands and stuff that, that can communicate things like I'm a top or I'm a bottom or a verse. Those are all really useful when you're in a fully queer setting where you, you already sort of have, have a baseline understanding of why you're there. But like the handkerchief system was Mm -hmm. used at a point in time where you were not necessarily in a, in an, in an exclusively queer space. And you had to communicate with people who knew the signs in a way that was subtle enough to be displayed publicly without being picked up by. That could be be missed by straight people. Yeah. Yeah. Billy, that actually brings up a question that I wanted to ask you because a lot of, I've, at least in the circles that I've run within the, you know, gay queer community, 
it's actually been a discussion that I've had with several friends and like mild debate around like the continued existence of things like cruising, because some feel that like now that we're at a certain place, obviously there's like a ways to go for LGBTQ plus um, community, but like we're in a state now where there are gay bars and you don't need to be in a lot of cities like LA or New York that ashamed of going to gay establishments things like cruising or saunas or the cock like Mm -hmm. still exist. And so some I've heard argue say like, well, it's probably just a matter of time before these things wind down until, you know, once we feel like we're fully accepted, like there will be no need for this. Whereas I've heard others argue it's like an inherent and ingrained part of our community that will always exist. Have you, is that something you've pondered or postulated? Yeah. I think that's, I've heard, I've heard conversations about that too. And I think that's one of the most interesting conversations about cruising that the question of, is it an intrinsic part of the gay male experience or is it a cultural result of oppression and, you know, secrecy. Um, And I don't know, I I think it's kind of both. I think the explicit and unapologetic sexuality of the gay community, not to generalize, but I think that that is an intrinsic part of what it means to be a gay Mm -hmm. man. But I don't know that the ways in which that manifests, like whether it's Mm -hmm the dick doc or whatever. I don't know that those things are necessarily timeless, but, but I think the, and, and actually maybe you have thoughts about this too, because I have found that so many women in my life have expressed to me that Mm -hmm. they are empowered by the kind of overt sexuality of the gay male community. And so that, part of it I think may be intrinsic but I don't know I mean I think that there's a reason why women straight hetero women gather at gay clubs that doesn't just have to do with safety Mm -hmm. um I think it also is like um it's an I think I mean to what you were just talking about not to make it all about straight women but like I think a reason why straight women do connect the overt sexuality is because uh repression is just like you know it's like Mm -hmm. you know being an overt sexual woman is usually seen especially in like midwestern southern circles as being like not respectable uh you can't say what you want there's a lot of shame right like you're owned by a man like i think that even if people don't think that uh we think that we're owned by men i would uh tell them to just take a take a a look at my facebook feed full of arkansas women um and you tell me that that isn't still true like i I think like this idea of modesty is still really pervasive, mm-hmm. even for people who don't want to be modest. Like there's plenty of people that want to be modest and not talk about their sexuality, but there's also a shit ton of people that would like to talk about it, mm-hmm. but feel like they can't. Uh, so I don't know if like, uh, that being said though, you know, the queer community was not made to be inspiring inspo. For straight ladies. <laughs> well, and I think also right. another interesting right. question about like what parts of the queer community are a result of oppression and then like how those those aspects when when they are no longer necessary to the like functioning of queer human beings, how those things mm-hmm. can actually become co-opted by hetero culture and like embraced in a way that sort of ignores their like historical significance. And I'm not saying like, I don't really know what that means as far as, you know, the continued existence of things like cruising. Um, But I just think it's like to speak to what you're saying, Ashley, about like straight women being interested in that overt sexuality. I think there are a lot of aspects of queer culture that the larger community is interested in. And I'm, yeah, I'm curious what that means for the queers. 
I mean, I was kind of joking about how uh, how can the straighties unlock this magical cruising rule um, of like consent and beautiful handkerchiefs and buttons. Um, but you know, that's also like, would that be seen as like probably like co-opting? Absolutely. Right. Like, there's a reason why. Well, like, there. Like, you talked about how like if cruising equals grinder and tender, right? Then is all of grinder like right? Are all of those things cruising now is everyone cruising? And I don't think that's true. It kind of like talks about like that language is strictly reserved for the queer community. Right. Well, maybe. Uh, so I recently started Pose. I'm late. Um, and, uh, you know, if anyone's seen like the documentary Paris is Burning and how when you watch Paris is Burning about the New York City ball scene, you realize that everything you thought that RuPaul's Drag Race had started had actually no, not three at years all. before it. Yeah. And I think that in the same way that like, no, we don't have balls anymore. We still kind of emulate it. Mm-hmm. So in that way, perhaps it just gets emulated in different ways. Mm-hmm. I also Magic. don't know that that's true, Ashley. I don't know that people would necessarily, I, are we sure there aren't still balls? <laughs> I don't, Wait, can anyone confirm? There, I believe there still are balls. Yeah, I think there are. Rare. From my understanding, they're rare, but I also think they're... I tried looking one up because I saw one a couple months ago. Like, Yeah. And, okay, this is so gay, but <laughs> I was seeing a clip where Wendy Williams was like, I'm going to a ball this weekend in Harlem, and I immediately like, looked up tickets, and it was very expensive. But yeah. um, they are still a thing, but I think they're rarer, and I obviously they're less tied to things like, you know, the AIDS epidemic and the crises that were happening in terms of inequalities in that region at the time. But I still think they exist in some capacity. Yeah. Now, now it's like sponsored by Delta. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah. Your cruising spot sponsored like by Starbucks. Anymore if you can't afford to get in. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I will say to go back to what you were saying earlier, Billy, uh, I don't know if this is a strictly gay male thing. It probably is not. And it probably like, you women have had to put up with so much but guys will just like put very like the first time you meet them or in their first interactions very like detailed specific um no judgment but like odd things that they want to occur in your first encounter um i can give an example of a guy who had a very specific role play fantasy that he wanted to uh us to partake in and i was like I'm in an improv class. Let's do it. Um, and it was clearly like someone he'd like always wanted to hook up with since childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he basically wanted us to have known each other since we were 11, be on the same basketball team. Now in college, I had pulled a hamstring and there was no physical therapist around. And he wanted to like, massage me and then like transition into other activities, but kept on saying while he was blowing me, like, don't tell anyone on the team, bro. And I'm like, are we still doing this? And then like, he was talking about like having uh, like, his like fingers were like up my butt while he was talking about like, uh, yeah, our mom should never know about this. And I was like, it was just very confusing for a first encounter. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and he also wanted our sneakers to be on the whole time so that we were, like, <laughs> acting as if we were in a gym. And did you meet that person on Grinder? Obviously. <laughs> so, okay. wait, you were told, that, was this in their bio? They were like, so? No, no. Oh. oh, oh, no. This was, like, a game time, like, last-minute call. And I was like, I guess we're here, so we'll go through with it. Um, no, he was just like, come over. I went over and it was like, so I've always had this like fantasy about like playing out something where we're on a sports team. And I was like, okay, I can pretend to be athletic. You know, I played <laughs> soccer in high school. Let's do it. Um, but I didn't, really, like, like, yeah, I didn't realize like the level of specificity to be like, remember when we jerked off together in sixth grade on that couch we got from Ikea that your mom brought home. And it's like, okay, I just like learned your name 10 minutes ago. This is way too specific. And whoever it is, like you need to call him up. Um, but yeah, shout out to Grinder. There was once a time when I ran into somebody who I knew from Boston mm-hmm. on the streets of New York during mm-hmm gay pride and we had we had hooked up in the past in boston Mm -hmm. and there was really nowhere to to 
go where we were because and it was like three in the morning maybe and he was (laughs) he was staying with friends and i was staying with friends sure and but there's like there was like a porn shop right by where we were maybe on like houston it was kind of like downtown area but um so we went into the porn shop yeah and of course they have like the video booths in the back and we had the craziest sex in that porn shop, uh, probably of my life. Like one of the That's craziest. That's insane. The porn shop we people did not hours. What? Oh, no. They, they know. They know that that's what goes on in those booths. I mean, they're literally, yeah. they're glory hole booths. Like they're booths with holes in the, in, to the yeah. booth next to you. So they know that's what happens back there. But we went into the same like yeah. booth. You know, not separated by the glory hole, not separated by the glory (laughs) hole. And then of course there were like, it was pride. So I guess it was probably like more busy than normal, but there were like all these (laughs) other guys, like, like trying to like see us or like trying to like get into the room or whatever. Like it was crazy. Like that was probably my most intense sexual experience in like a public place. Um, And it was so it was so crazy that like when we went in, it was fully like nighttime. It was like post bar time. And when we came out, the sun had come up. Thank you so much, Billy and Matt, for joining us on this sacred day to talk about the art of cruising. Truly a pleasure. I mean, I never thought that my sorted experiences would ever be valuable in this context. So I'm really glad to be there. And I can't, I mean, I can't wait to go to a Home Depot next, but you know, so thank you, Billy. Thank you. Um, special thanks to uh, Billy, who's right here. Uh, our lovely co-producers who's been, who's been with us since the beginning, Rebecca Todaro, who does our amazing artwork for the podcast. Um, Uh, If you'd like to check out the musician who makes our music for the podcast, he's under Bishop Scully on YouTube. Uh, Feel free to check him out. Don't forget to submit to the wet seat. You can ask us your questions anonymously and we will answer them here on the podcast. Like us, share us on Facebook and Instagram, and don't forget, stay wet.